Hello, welcome to Talk Racing to Me with Naomi, episode 80. It's been a while. Uh, had COVID in the interim as well, so there's been a, a few things, but on the mend now, thankfully, and very excited to be joined once again by Mikey Adolfson. He's been a frequent guest on this show, covering a, a lot of the international action. I'm very pleased he's going to go over Kipco Champions Day with me, which of course we're all looking forward to seeing Baid hopefully remain unbeaten in the champions stakes and mikey are you going to be uh, heading over to ascot unfortunately not i um i've decided to sort of cut my losses and i've been to a lot of the great meets this year irish champions yorkshire Ebor, things like that that i was like well i need to rest up for the breeders cup because it is gonna it's probably gonna it's gonna be an exhausting yet rewarding amazing you know, week of celebration there so i need that i need that wind in me before i go <laughs> before i go back to the states uh, I get that. My favorite meeting of the year is the Breeders' Cup. So, yep, yep, I completely get it. You want to be well-rested and fresh, but at least you can follow the action uh, from home. I know they kick it off at uh, 1.25 p.m. local English time, and we, we begin with quite quite a lengthy test, the Kipco British <laughs> Champion Long Distance Cup, two miles currently ground rated going good to soft now i know that we we are expecting a little bit of drizzle aren't we what do you think the ground's going to do coming up for tomorrow i mean i know that uh true shan the 158 favorite right now he's he's um they're going to want it to be a little bit softer and mm. and it won't get it won't get better than good to soft because of the well the temperature and the lack of you know it's not going to be a breezy warm day at Ascot in, in late October so I think that there's going to be a good to soft ground soft in places or completely soft all around and if it does become degrade into a, a softer environment uh, softer surface I think that it will drastically change the results yeah I, I know that camp Alan King has been saying it from the get-go if the ground doesn't come up to our liking that is to the softer side for True Shan, uh, we're going to go elsewhere to go, you know, other races in mind in France, I think the week after coming up as well. But of course, True Shan is trying to make it three in a row in this race. So it'd be mm -hmm. pretty cool if he's uh, able to do that. Does have a, a couple of others in this field to, to go up against. Uh, I, I kind of did like the second in the betting at present. Uh, Elder Elderoff for trainer Roger mm -hmm. Varian. Uh, David Egan rides. St. Ledger winner moving into the right direction. Second start after a two-month break. Hasn't really had that heavy campaign. I feel like Cam Farian has been pretty you know, patient with him. And the St. Ledger wasn't even that straightforward of a win for him. He you know, had to, it was a bit of a tight spot, tried to came, come with a move, but he was just kind of simply good enough to get it done. I think he can continue that kind of progression. I think he is a progressive horse. I don't know if he's good enough to win this unless the race sort of falls apart or into his lap, rather. Um, Trushan at his very best, which we are still not sure if he's there yet, should win this fairly easily. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I can't trust his form in the last few races. And mm. ever since he carried, what was it? 150 pounds in a race earlier this year in a handicap. Um, it, it was, it was, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been very difficult for him to, I think, come back to his best form. Maybe that's ground related. We don't know, but 
I'm going to go against both of the top two choices. Um, and okay. I'm a little bit, as the third choice, Waterville, I'm a little bit suspect of whether or not he's going to jump up and whether or not the money going on him at four to one is based on him being a valued oil horse and their success in this race. I'm more interested in Coltrane and Quickthorn. Quickthorn is a little bit overlooked now at 12 to one. He might be the lone uh, front runner in the race. And hmm. two miles is should hit him right on the nose. I think he'll be very tough in here. Um, but Coltrane is the one that really, uh, 10 to one, I just think it's way too high. I think, I think true Shen's obviously your most likely winner, but to me, the price play of the day is Coltrane at 10 to one, David Probert, Alan, uh, Andrew Balding. They beat true Shen last time in good, just on good to soft ground. He seems to take his racetrack with him. And, uh, even though he was a few lengths behind the loose and the quick thorn at York, this is going to be a very different ball game. This is a horse that's moving in the right direction. And um, I think you'll see his 113 rating rise. I like that. I, I do feel, you know, 15 to 8 is what I'm finding right now in Trishan. I, I do think he's vulnerable at that. And I wouldn't want to take him at a price like that. I'd rather be looking mm-hmm. elsewhere. So I like your uh, 10 to 1. We're currently still seeing on the number one call train of trainer Andrew Bowling and jockey David Probert. As uh, we move along to a completely different distance, we're going to go from the mm-hmm. long distance cup to the Kipco British Champion Sprint Stakes. Of course, a group one, six furlongs, the distance there. And uh, look, this is a race that in the past uh, has thrown up some big priced winners, such as uh, 20, 2018 Sands of Mali beating Harry Angel, 2019 Don Juan Triumphant at 33 to 1. Yeah. Now we have Creative Force in here, of course, trying to defend his crown. And I was kind of just looking at the pattern of him coming into this. I feel like he's similarly, you know, in terms of profile as well as he came into this last year he went he did mm-hmm. go to dubai though i think that took a little bit out of him they gave him a couple days break i think 84 days break and then now he's back kind of i feel trying to move back up the ladder again i don't believe his two runs to date have been bad at all i mean second in the platinum mm-hmm. jubilee ju- jubilee is pretty decent but nothing of course jumping off the page just yet but that's the same as what he came into this last year yeah, he's very much the horse to beat. And he's if you like him, you're going to love the four to one you can get on him at this point. Uh, he's going to love the good to soft ground is exactly what he needs. And his runs earlier this year on good to firm were, were more than admirable. He almost won um, the course and distance uh, uh, jubilee earlier. Naval Crown, his stablemates in at 12 to one also comes back. But he's on the other side of the spectrum where he loves the good to firm. Now he's going to deal with good to soft. He's capable, but I just think it's going to be a bit more up against those two. Um, there are horses moving in the, d- the right direction here that I think will be very tough. I think Ken Ross, he ran in this race last year, but he was probably three or four lengths slower last year. This year, he's really come into himself. The only thing about him is he does come off of a two-week rest. Um, and 13 days may or may not be good enough to recover from what was very testing ground um, mm-hmm. at Longchamp last time, even though he did win fairly easily. Um, Art Power is another one at 6-1. to one. These are both at 6-1. to one. Uh, I think that he is going to run a good race. He ran a good race in this last year, and he's in his in top form. I just think that 6-1 to one is not still not good enough for him. To me, the value in the race is probably probably perfect power at 11-1. to one. Um, He gets to me, uh, you know, he goes from one of the best jockeys in the world in in Christophe Soumyon to one of the best up-and-coming jockeys in the world to Tom Marcand. And Tom Marcand is, is to me, just 
he places his horses extremely well. He rides the straight course at Ascot extremely well. And Richard Fahey would not run him in this race if he thought that he couldn't handle the good to soft ground. Um, I think he would go elsewhere. So I think that this is this he's a group one winner of a course and distance. He's 11 to one for God knows why. And I feel like his very best, his very best in here can serve it up to them. I like that. Definitely a little bit of value. Uh, coming back to some of the horses that you mentioned, did like Kinross. And in general, I always seem to think, you know, when it's those sprinting distances, a quicker turnaround is less impactful on them, I feel, than when you're looking at these grueling long distance races. But you're right. In the Prix de la Forêt was run on very soft going. It was raining uh, throughout the day, especially, you know, the Arc downpour was a lot of fun too that we uh, discussed on the other <laughs> podcast. And so, yeah, I, I do I do wonder if it would have taken something out of it. But Kinross is on a tear. Of course, Frankie de Tour remains on board, a horse that I very much have enjoyed watching. And the value... In a way, I do think that the six to one, it'd be nice if you get a little bit bigger, but it's it's worthy for me taking a chance on. Now, Naval Crowner, I like that you mentioned him. He, I'm, I'm thinking he's going the wrong direction. He won this year's Platinum Jubilee, returns to that mm-hmm. same track, but has not had the best of times in, in the meantime. I like that James Doyle gets back on board, but maybe he just needs a break. Maybe he's just had enough for the season, so yeah. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not siding with him. I, I took a bit of a flyer on quite a, sort of a random horse that all of a sudden jumped up in his last race. Now, don't know if that was just because it wasn't that strong of a race. Brad the Brief uh, at the Cura 12 to 1 right now. It's a group two, the Greenland Stakes. Wasn't that strong of a competition, but his rating mm. is there and he's significantly improved since changing to Hugo Palmer. So I thought it was really interesting. And he's 12 to 1. And maybe if he runs out a little bit in price, he can kind of shoot underneath it and, and maybe run third at a, at a bigger price. Cause I, I kind of like those horses yeah. in the, these kind of spots as well. Yeah. And, and those each way plays, you can get your, you know, you know, you get one fifth of their, their odds in, in mm-hmm. the pool. So basically, um that's hard with the 12 to 1 you're going to want to hope that he Yeah, comes I'm hoping up to he's going to 15 to go 18 up a little bit. Range. Um yeah. with me, I think a really fun play on the each ways is Go Bears Go, who drew really well in 9 so he can choose which path he needs to go down. Um he's 33 to 1, as low as 20 with Coral, but um I think you'll get a good 25 to 1 on him, which gives you 5 to 1 in the each way pool. And to me, he loves Ascot. He can handle a little cut in the ground. He's very consistent. He's very tough. And they've sort of pinpointed this race. And I think that they may be prepping for the Breeders' Cup again with him because they know he can handle American-style racetracks. Um, and obviously being second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint last year. So uh, I think he's a fun horse. And he's, he's just consistent and tough. And if you put a line through his last race, which really wasn't that bad, he just didn't quite, uh, he didn't quite stack up with Minzal and company um, in the Haydock Turf Sprint. This is a very different race than the Haydock, uh, than the Sprint Cup at Haydock. Um, this is going to be a tougher, truly seen out, ask it, good to soft, six furlongs. And you're going to see horses who are, you know, moving in the right direction at the right time when the race, which happens every year in the spot. Yeah, and that that's why I was mentioning some of the big priced runners that had actually won this race in recent years it tends to just throw up a bit of a clunker sometimes and look Gobez Go has shown his talent uh, two back alone winning the Phoenix Sprint Stakes at a 
what was it the Cura, I believe it was yeah mm-hmm. at the Cura. and he look I liked him when he was at Delmar I thought he ran a really really gallant second in the juvenile turf sprint stakes behind Twilight Gleaming so clearly an individual with a lot of talent I kind of smiled when you mentioned it I was like oh I remember him <laughs> yeah so no, he was... that, he's he's a good one indeed 33 to 1 that is a great catch it's the depth of the, of the race, or at least the, the the wide open aspect of it, and and I think this is a deep race. There are five or six horses who are who are genuine Group One quality. So, and he may not be to that level yet, but that doesn't mean at three years old and thirteen races in that he cannot become that. And I think David Lucknan is going to have him spot on for this, and uh, he has a soft wind, soft surface wind, soft uh, ground wind at Ascot. Definitely very important as we move on to. The 240 race, the Kipco British Champions Philly and Mare Stakes over a mile and a half. Of course, currently the favorite is uh, Emily Upshon still. I think she's still sort of soft mm-hmm. favorite. Second in the Oaks behind Tuesday earlier this year. Look, I must admit, I looking at this race, I don't really feel like we got a superstar in here. It seems wide open. It, it, it does. On paper, it seems very wide open. If and only if you do not think either Very Elegant or or Emily Upjohn are going to run their, their best race. Yep. I do not think Very Elegant is going to run her best race because I don't think she's going to like the ground. And mm. I've been adamant about believing that they should have just sent her to the States where she's going to get her good, good to firm ground. And uh, she's going to run well, um, and especially with quicker run races in the States where she can finish. I don't know why they went to France with her, but Godspeed. Um, I, look, I the second horse I had on my list was to talk about Melbourne Cup winner, very elegant, because I just <laughs> remember watching her in the pre-royal. Sorry to say, but I did not agree with the ride that Mark Zara gave. Well, of course. She was too yeah. far back. She was boxed in. She moved out too late. Miguel Barcelona takes the ride here. But you're right. Is she going to enjoy the ground? Probably not. And the problem is, I kind of feel I kind of feel bad for her a little bit. It's just excuse after excuse and things happening and it not working out. And I, I don't know. I don't know what to, I, my gut feeling says. Why don't we retire her and breed her? But I guess that's yeah. not that's not on the cards then. I mean, who knows? Maybe the U.S. is possibly still in the in the in the, in the possibilities with her. Um, Graffard has shipped uh, to North America and won Grade ones Grade ones before. So. Um, I just think that she's she's very much up against it, um, especially out of that last prep. Emily Upjohn, to me, at four to one, I just think that she's on talent alone. She's she's leaps and bounds ahead of these. Um, uh, if you go back and look at her Oaks, the race that she ran in the Oaks after losing five to six lengths at the start was amazing. Um, Tuesday is a quality filly, uh, even though she's past peak now. Um, and in her race, she was far too keen uh, in the uh, over this course and distance uh, and good to firm ground in July in the King George. The fact that they ran her in the King George, the fact that, you know, John Gosden thought highly enough of her to run her in the King George, um, you know, against Piledriver, Westover, Torque, Tortasso, Mishriff, to me says that they know what she is and they know she's high quality. And I think she'll, I think she'll, if she, if she's, if she, if she runs her race, she stuffs them. Yeah, I, I, the reason I was saying I feel like it's kind of wide open is if she jumps up to what they think she mm-hmm. can do, then yes. But I'm not convinced that she's, you know, 
been doing that great since she returned from that break. I thought the King George race was just not really showcasing her in the best light, to say the least mm-hmm. there. But that, but you know what? Like You're looking at a trainer like John and Thady Gosden. You know that if the talent's there, they're going to be able mm. to produce it. So perhaps this will be her day of reckoning and this will be her chance to, you know, finally, finally get that spotlight. Because you're right, Tuesday, I loved Tuesday, I think she's a really, really good filly. Indeed, mm-hmm. seems to tail off a little bit now. But Emily Upjohn, we'll see how things will fare in yeah. the uh, Phillies uh, and Mare Stakes. And then, um, I mean, we might as well uh, move on to 320. That's a fourth race. That's a mile on the straight course. The Queen Elizabeth II Stakes. Of course, Group 1, British Champions Mile. I, this this is a fun race to me. I, it, mm-hmm. it feels like modern games versus Inspire or modern games as that last step up to the Breeders' Cup. The Breeders' Cup Mal won the Woodbine Mal, and then you have Coronation Victors Inspire. She won that race last time. She was at Ascot. She was visually impressive that day. I remember that acceleration. Now, her mm-hmm. first run against the males in the Jacqueline Marat was very, very good too. Best Caribas, Guinness winner, St. James Palace winner. Although it did feel like he didn't completely turn up that day but still I, I like the way she's moving forward so it seems like a fun clash between those two it is I, I, I think that they are the sort of the class of the race um, but there, remember there's no Bayid in this race uh, like there was last year uh, it is a slightly lesser uh, no Palace Pier so it's like this is a lesser quality QE2 which means that you look for value that's being overlooked because of because of the prestige of the race Um and to me, at 11 to 10, you can have Inspiral. I know she can win on good to soft and good to firm, whatever. I think she's far better on good to firm than she kind of deigned to win on good to soft in France. Um, Modern Games, to me, is a good to firm. Uh, he can handle soft, but he's just far superior in the same way. So to me, there's value in the Revenant at 6-1, to one, who won this race uh, two years ago. Uh, or three years ago, I think at this point. Um, and the Revenant is just, he, I think you're he, he at a huge comeback race and the Daniel Wildens team um, on uh, our eve um, two weeks ago. And he's used that race as a prep before. Um, he's going to, I love the move to Ryan Moore uh, in here. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. Usually Sumion, hmm. I think Lamare rode him last time, gave him that peach of a ride and he didn't abuse him. He just let him finish strong and he finished second to Aravan, who I think is a group one horse in the making. And I, I no look. Place, I like but, it. I, I basically know, looked me, at modern games and Inspire, and I was like, "Gosh, I love modern games." Just obviously based on the progression they show, the flexibility. Is. Although it is a prep race going to the Breeders' Cup, but I, I looked at a couple of the others, but they didn't really jump out of me. So I do like the case that I you're mean, making for the Revenant because, yeah, this, it is interesting that they're moving to Ryan Moore, and when he won it here in what 2020, he had Pierre Charboudot on him. So they, they mm-hmm. have switching. They have been switching jockeys around a little bit with him. And it's a couple of horses here who are kind of dealing with the fallout of, of the suspension of Christophe Sumion. The Revenant has to go to Ryan Moore, which I think is a great um, pick me up and then uh, or pick up. And then Jadumi, who who got a brilliant ride from from Sumion in the Boomerang Mile at Leopardstown last out on Irish Champions Weekend. He loves soft ground and he picks up James Doyle. So like it's not like anybody's losing out on these jockey. It's just on these jockeys. It's just whether or not they know the horse properly or know the course, and they do. Um, but yeah, I don't see a lot of value in either in Spiral or, or Modern Games, um, uh, especially with the ground. So I'm going to go with the Revenant yeah. on top to sort of turn back the clock a bit with Ryan Moore. Uh, and if you're looking for, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of, uh, I'd say a little bit of value, I'd say 
Uh, check and challenge, 28 to 1. I think he can pick up a piece of this race. Uh, he handles soft ground just fine. Um, and I think he's a horse that we haven't seen the best of yet. I feel like we're playing that soft ground card. And look, my, my gut feeling is sticking with Marlon Games because I just think he's the most talented individual in here. But moving on to then the Breeders' Cup, this isn't his ground and he's not supposed to have to like it yeah. kind of thing. And he's probably going to get a nice tune-up. And if it doesn't work out for him, it doesn't work out. And he'll, he'll go on to hopefully win at Keeneland. But I still think he's the most talented horse in this boy. His second run after that, you know couple of days break that he got and i'm just looking forward to seeing him as so i'm sticking with him but i i, I get what yeah. you're saying looking and for horses that are going to take to this course and ground might pay off on champions day and for those by the uh betting or punting antsy post here before the race they uh mind you that if it rains at all and worsens conditions he will be scratched um appleby yeah. said that on the uh, Godolphin website yeah let's hope it doesn't too bad but it does look like there's a little bit of rain in there so until until he's not running i'm gonna stick with him if he's there because <laughs> don't want to have that bit where where he's running but he's not in for the for the for the betters money daddy that i will never stop talking about this so <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to i'll give you the highlight of course, of uh, Champions Day, the Gipco Champion Stakes, uh, four o'clock post time, a mile and a quarter. Of course, the question is, are th is this going to be Bayid's last race, 10 out of 10? Can he get beaten? I do want to share a quote of William Haggis from the press conference he did earlier this week, and I thought it was such a wonderful quote. I think it's been reproduced everywhere already, but... This horse would get 10 A stars at GCSE. He'd be captain of rugby, cricket and football, or hockey. He'd breeze <laughs> into Cambridge. He'd be prime minister. He just got it all, that pupil that every head wants. When asked about what is so special about Bayid and, and why is he so good, William Haggis just said he, he just does it all without any issues he's so easy to train he's so professional and i thought that was quite the quite the gem of the quotes here now do you think he can get beaten in this race by can be beaten if things just don't go his way he has drawn the rail he could be boxed in he could not get out and maybe it's too soft for him to use his turn of foot to overcome that i mean we saw that happen a couple of years ago in a very different race with stradivarius where he was stuck down inside uh, on champions weekend so it is it is possible that he can be beaten uh he is he is three to four lengths probably the best horse in the race um on these conditions and on these, I would say, the, the setup. I think Adiar is probably still a race away from being his optimal self. And hopefully that race will be the Breeders' Cup turf, which he, if he goes into that race um, after this, uh, he'll win it hands down. Um, and then you look at the, the value plays in the race. Like, what if Bayou stubs his toe? I think your most likely winner is probably Bay Bridge. Um, this mm. is a horse. He has a unique pattern of uh he usually has a break and then um he has a break and then he has two races really good races back to back that's been that's been the pattern for him um over the last you know over his entire lightly raced career he's on nine starts five wins he's a group one horse he was second over this course and distance and good to firm ground and he handles soft going if you look at his what i was saying about his pattern this is a horse who he's had three layoffs his entire career and two of those layoffs he came back with all three of those layoffs actually he came back with two really strong races in a row and then um 
he happened to tail off uh, last out when last seen in July in the eclipse. Interestingly enough, you know, if you think about him as maybe a Breeders' Cup horse after this, which I am, uh, his second race off of that layoff was three weeks after the first in two of those three instances. So it's only three weeks to the Breeders' Cup for this. I think this might be a prep for the Breeders' Cup turf for his first try over a mile and a half, which he can easily get on pedigree. At 11 to 1, he is a nice play that you're hoping goes up to like 15 in some of the markets and maybe all this money comes pouring down because I think there's room for Adiar's price to drop from 5 to 1 into the mm-hmm. 7 to 2 zone. Um, so I'm probably going to play him just straight to win. Um, it's probably throwing money away against Bayi, but I do think that Bay Bridge is a bona fide top class horse. He's rated 120. He's a really good animal. Um, and I'm going to bank on Adiar needing the run. The value play, if you're each weighing, to me is easily Dubai Honor. Uh, he's 40 to 1 right now. Um, William Haggis, Muhammad Obeda. Uh, this is a horse that was very good second in this race last year. He'll be primed to run another big race. He was a good second last time in the September stakes behind Mostadaf on the all weather. He's just, it's a horse for conditions and course, and he'll mm-hmm. be primed to run his A race. And his A race puts him in the top three in the spot. Well, I was about, I actually looked at him as well because I, I was kind of going through looking which horse really would like the conditions in Dubai on. Mm-hmm. I think one of his better races came on very soft going at Longchamp in the Qatar pre dollar over this distance where he mm-hmm. won that day so perhaps he could definitely jump up at that value price of 40 to one now am i going to say Bayid is going to get beaten it's, it's very very unlikely i i'd say mm-hmm. obviously we're all hoping to see this horse you know get crowned here champion stakes winner join the ranks of the likes mm-hmm. of franco of course won this race in 2012 and 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 he even got back-to-back winners at cracksman 2017 2018 uh, baid is coming here with a lot of weight <laughs> on his back yeah. um i remember that william haggis was saying that at the yard, they're trying to just not make too big of a fuss of it because you don't mm-hmm. want the horse to, to sense that there is a lot riding on this. And they're really hoping that, of course, he continues that unbeaten streak. Now, you were mentioning Adiar, the 2021 Derby winner, well-rested, fresh, easy win at Doncaster, shaping up to be that main rival. And I think that's the biggest case that's been made is that Adiar is coming in fresh with just one run under his belt. But you make a good point that he might just need another yeah. race to truly step up to the level that Bayid is at. And, and, and it's, it's a, an extremely valid point because he's the size of a house. You know, this is a big horse. And he, if you watch his, his prep run at Doncaster, it was a, it was a glorified gallop. You know, it, he didn't get much out of it other than opening his lungs a bit. So I don't think he, unless they really hunkered down on him the last few weeks, I don't see it being uh, his A plus race, maybe an A minus race, but not as A plus. Yeah. Right. So Baid is big odds on <laughs> to win the yeah. champion stakes. Yeah. I like Dubai Honor at a 40 to 1 shot, a bit of a bit of a price. And I guess that concludes the group action at Ascot. But we do have one final race. I don't know if you had a look mm-hmm. at the Balmoral handicap yeah. over that mile, the straight mile at Ascot. Did you find us a fun price in here? I, I did. I, I, this is the is a really great. It's a prestigious handicap every year, the Balmoral, and it ends the day, and everybody has a good time with it. Um, I'm. It's a bit of a beauty contest for me, but 
I do think that Tyrrhenian C is sitting on a big race. He's second choice right now at about eight to one, uh, as high as seventeen to two. So uh, he's a horse that caught my eye in, in person for the um, Niarcos family and Roger Varian at um, at York when I saw him. He's one of the most stunning horses you'll ever see, but he also has a lot of talent, and I think he'll take to the conditions here. If you're looking for a bit of a more of a price down the line, uh, to me maybe maybe. Um, Takari Bay for at 16 to 1 for Richard Hannett. But to me, it's all about whether or not the beauty uh, beauty contest becomes a speed contest with Terrenian C. Yeah, I, I had a quick look at this. I thought Montesip was interesting, number 22 for mm-hmm. William Haggis. Of course, William Haggis could have a big day because one of his best races came on soft going. Again, looking at that horse for course kind of angle. And he seems to be holding his form. He might not have won in his last couple of starts, but he's been running decently and he keeps kind of hoovering around the mark that could possibly jump him at least into the placings uh, in here. And I thought at 14 to 1, why not take a little bit of a shot in a handicap that likes to throw up a a big price or two on that final race here. And uh, well, Mikey, that's going to do it for us. But thank you so much for joining me. And I know we'll both be uh, uh, keeping our eye out for all the results of Champion. Of course, hoping to see Baid get crowned uh, champion of champion six day nice little pun there um mm. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it would be it would be lovely to see him really reach up into that stratosphere of legendary mm-hmm. level of course we have been comparing him to franco and and see the stars but i i do feel like he does need to win this to really truly justify the the comparison now the comparison is there but if you still look at numbers i, I think he does need this yeah, he, he does, and passing on the art, uh, ground or not, was definitely a detriment to my, in my opinion, to his Agreed. his legacy. Um, but you know they're doing right by the horse, and you know it's going to be it's going to be a fun day no matter what. And he is the crown jewel of the race. Um, just to recap a bit, um, in the in the marathon in the long distance cup, I'm going to go with a ten to one price in Coltrane. I think he's got a big chance. I'm going to go with Group One winner Perfect Power in the Champion Sprint. In the for the ladies and the filly and mares, I'm going to hope that Emily Upjohn runs a blinder and then uses that as a catapult to the Breeders' Cup turf, which she could she could serve it up to them there if Adiar doesn't show up. Uh, in the Queen Elizabeth II, I'm going to go with the Revenant, the Old Man at six to one to upset them, um, both Modern Games and Inspiral. In the Kipco Champion Stakes, I will put my money down on Bay Bridge, a straight win, but I'm going to give Dubai Honor a 40 to 1 each way. And the Balmoral, we're going to go with, um, we're going to go with Tyrrhenian C because he's pretty. So now we're both going to be, I do like it, we're both going to be watching the Kipco Champion Stakes. So we're like, oh, okay, but please win. But then we're looking at who's running second or third at the big prices to make this interesting, right? You just hope in those first four races, you make enough money to just throw some away. To, to try to beat Fayed, you know, like, <laughs> um, but the, I think that I will make a little bit of money on, on Dubai Honor. I think that he's going to hit the board and be a nice each way play. Yeah, I really like him at 40 to 1. I find him definitely one that's going to go under the radar in a race like that with a superstar like Bayid. So uh, that's going to conclude our little roundup here of Champions Day. And I'm uh, hoping that everyone gets the chance uh, to watch it tomorrow and make some money. Thank you again, Mikey. Always a pleasure. Definitely a fair few good prices there given out by Mikey. Fingers crossed we'll get them home at Ascot. I'm very fortunate to be going. 
I've admitted I've got in a bit, so that'll be fun. But more as a fan this time around, which is also not a common occurrence. So looking forward to it. Me and my uh, cold will be uh, crossing the pond to the UK as it does continue to rain here in the Netherlands, as well as in England. And we've been talking about the ground and unfortunately it does seem like it's going to continue to soften up ever so slightly. I hope you're all doing well and uh, glad you're with us again for Talk Racing to Me. I'll be lining up a few guests uh, coming up soon. As I'm still in Europe at the moment, unfortunately, haven't been able uh, to sort out that situation just yet. So keep fingers crossed uh, to get back stateside as soon as possible but in the meantime very much looking forward to the breeders cup and of course everything that's anticipating it we'll be doing a preview show as well and so uh keep your ears and eyes peeled for that one have a good one everyone